Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of the All The Anime Podcast being brought to you on Wednesday the 8th of April 2020. I am Jeremy Graves and I am joined as per usual each and every episode by the wonderful dulcet tones of the one and only Mr. Andy Hanley. Hello everybody. As far as I'm aware you're the one and only, are you? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, isn't there some whole thing? Everybody has a doppelganger somewhere. There's probably somebody else with my name recording a podcast that is far more interesting somewhere. Who knows? I'm just trying to think if, I, if I've ever had a doppelganger. I've been compared. To, <laughs> I've been compared to like a number of like fictional characters, but yes, yeah. I mean, there, there is there is always that. But uh, but yeah, as far as I'm aware, I, I am the one and only. We'll we'll go with that for now. Like, if if you are also me, please write into the podcast. <laughs> and please do not please do not start your own podcast so that yeah, means I can't call him the one and only again yeah and, and please don't ever meet me because then I think like the universe folds in on itself and like it's the end of humanity as we know it or something so that would be bad I mean some might say that in these physical distancing times Andy the likelihood of that happening is quite slim <laughs> yeah yeah I mean maybe this is this is actually like the universe trying to keep me apart from my doppelganger in some some weird way but uh, if so I'm, I'm very sorry but <laughs> <laughs> But are you, though? That's the question. Outside of my control, that's all I can say. (laughs) Folks, welcome to this episode of the show. Thank you very much for checking it out. In case you are new to the show, we are from alltheanime.com, Anime Limited and All The Anime. We are the largest UK independent distributor of Japanese animation, be it on home video, digital, and, when possible, in the cinema. You can check out our website, alltheanime.com. You can get details on our latest releases and such there. You can purchase them from there as well. If you want to hit us up on the social media, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube by searching All The Anime. That's All The Anime, one word. Or just put in the corresponding URL and put All The Anime afterwards. If you haven't already, make sure you take part in our Easter sale at alltheanime.com. We've got a number of 24-hour deals going on. By the time you guys are hearing this, our latest offer will be live that launched today, 8th of April. That would be for both parts of Sword Art Online Alternative, Gungale Online. The two Blu-ray Collector's Edition sets are on special offer for 24 hours. So if you fancy picking up that show or you've been meaning to, now is the time to do it. And let's not forget as well, Andy, that we currently also have offers on the Perfect Blue Ultimate Edition set and the Cowboy Bebop Ultimate Edition set as well. And also, through tomorrow, that being Wednesday the 9th of April, specifically, Gundam 0083 is available to pre-order on special offer, but the 9th of April is the last day to take advantage of that offer specifically. So if you don't want to miss out, make sure you get your order in for that at that special price. Absolutely. So many offers, so little time. Exactly, right. And if you haven't already, folks, and you're looking to add something to your collection... This week, we have released the Fooly Cooly original soundtrack on CD, as well as the Persona 5 The Daybreakers OVA on Blu-ray, that being a subtitle-only release specifically. A couple of other releases upcoming that we'll make mention of. Next week, that being the 13th of April, we are releasing the documentary film Neverending Man, Hayao Miyazaki, which follows Hayao Miyazaki retiring, then coming out of retirement to make Borrow the Caterpillar his first foray into the world of CG animation as part of the Ghibli Museum experience. And then also on the same day, Anonymous Noise is being released on Blu-ray as well. You can own the complete series of that on Blu-ray. If you want to find out more about upcoming releases of ours, folks, head over to alltheanime.com. You can get all of the information there. Sandy, how's your week been so far? Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been been pretty pretty decent. Just uh, you know, the, just the usual at this point in time. You know, just uh, kind of uh, 
cracking on with things, getting things done uh, from the, the, the comfortable confines of my own home. Yeah, and, and also we here in Glasgow, to make this a very British-based podcast as well, we've got to tick off that bingo box for weather talk. It's currently sunny here in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah, I've had a couple of pretty pretty nice days. Yeah, like I actually I went outdoors without a coat on, which I thought was going to be a terrible error yesterday. Like for my <gasps> for my my daily mandated piece of exercise, and uh, yeah, it was it was quite uh, quite pleasant out there. Oh, the damn fighting words, Andy! You not going out without a coat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Like it started to cloud over, and it's like, oh, I'm going to get punished for this. But no, as it turns out, I was okay. Uh, the universe works in wonderful ways sometimes. <laughs> So uh, I'm just going to bring this up, Andy, because I feel this has to be done, partly to call you out on it and partly to just tell you how brilliant you are for doing it. What have you been doing in your game of Animal Crossing? Um, oh yeah, so I've I've reached the point uh, I've reached the point in the game where uh, I can start to to customize certain things. And uh, two things that you can do within Animal Crossing is you can customize the flag that that flies over your town. And you can also customize your uh, your your, um, your your island's theme tune. So, uh, like, basically, anytime you meet any character, it plays a variation of the theme tune. Um, and of course, being the stupid Evangelion nerd that I am, uh, my my island's flag is now the Nerve logo, and its <laughs> theme tune is now Cruel Angel's Thesis, <laughs> which is particularly fantastic. It's still cracking me up. I. I I, I played a little bit at lunchtime, and it's like because every character, like I say, every time you meet a character, it plays that theme tune, but in a different key to kind of like represent that character. And just having like really weird, kind of either sped up or slowed down versions of like the opening bars of Cruel Angel's Thesis, I, I feel like this is going to entertain me for some time to come. So I, I now need to ask a couple of questions on this. How long did it take you to implement both of these? Uh, not very long. Like the the nerve logo, of course, somebody had already made, so you can just import other people's custom designs via QR codes, which is is pretty nifty actually. Um, so that was easy enough to do. And yeah, like the, the the notes for Cruel Angel's thesis are kind of floating around on the internet as well. So basically, that just lets you like put in the the notes and kind of you know like is it A B C etc cetera, etc cetera, for each note for for all the notes you're given. So it's actually pretty easy just to like whack that in there and be like yeah that's that's close enough that'll do oh man I, you see this is another reason now why i'm thinking of getting animal crossing but i've still not like bit on the bullet yet I, i'm still resisting yeah yeah i mean it's been interesting like I, i've sort of listened to some podcasts with, with people talking about the the game with like various different kind of points of view on what they like and don't like about it it's like all of which i agree with like i think I feel like the discourse has not really mentioned that there are quite a lot of annoying kind of things with that game, kind of like systemically and the way it does things that have kind of feel a bit backward, but like none of them have impinged enough upon my kind of overall enjoyment of it. And it's also turned into a nice game where a, like I'm still at the point where something new crops up every day. So there's always something that I kind of have to look forward to in terms of like, Oh, a new thing's going to open up to me today. Or it's just, uh, it's just the feeling that, you know, I can kind of dip into it as much or as, as little as I like on any given day. Like, there are days now where I just jump in, do a few things, like, especially the things that are kind of worth doing on a daily basis, and then can I can kind of think, like, okay, I'm done. And then there are other days, like last night, where I just want to go deeper into customizing things and kind of really sort of, like, making progress, making money, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, you can, you can have as light or as heavy a touch as, as you like on it as well, which is kind of nice. So, folks, that's been your Animal Crossing Minute. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I had one of those for like a week, so... Uh, exactly, know, I need, right. I needed to get it out of my system. <laughs> 
So Andy, let, let's talk a little bit about what we've been watching again, because I know a lot of people enjoyed that from the show on Monday. So we, we're both going to be highlighting a few things we have been watching. Would you like to start or would you like to defer and l- um, ask me to go first? Well, you were teasing me and wouldn't tell me what you watched before we started this podcast, so I need to know now, so so you, you should go first. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep you teasing me longer and not tell you the thing that I, that I haven't told you yet. <laughs> Good damn it. So uh, the first thing I actually wanted to touch on is sort of a continuation to something I was watching last week, I think, at this stage, and that is that I have now finished the first season of Ajin. Yeah, cool. Uh, how I ended you up- find it? I ended up binge-watching uh, binge watching the remainder of the season last night. I, I got to around episode 7 or 8 in the end, I think, which was actually farther than I thought I'd got. And I've got to say, I really, really enjoyed it. And episode 11 in particular, without, without trying to dive too deep into spoiler territory in case people are perhaps waiting for our release of season 2 to come out and such, I, I've got to say that in episode 11, there is a significant battle going on between a particular Ajin and the police, and it is some of the best use of CG I have seen in anime in a heck of a long time. That was some epic, epic-looking CG battling going on. Yes, yeah, I, I kind of remember that being a standout moment. Like, I feel like you, even away from just the animation, just the whole kind of, like, pacing and, and way that, that plays out is just mm. definitely, like, one of the, the high points of, of the first season in particular. I'm also pretty sure that Richard Epcar voiced about four or five different police officers in that as well in the dub, so I was more than up for hearing lots of Richard Epcar. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably <laughs> true. And the other thing I really enjoyed as well was how it, the sort of different stories it was weaving. It You were talking about the pacing of that particular action fight sequence, but the actual pacing of the story was really, really well done. From the stuff going on with uh, with Kay and uh, the other young Ajin, whose name escapes me at this point in time, sort of off in the wilderness, if you will, and then the stuff going on with the big pharmaceutical company that's coming under a lot of fire, as well as sort of like the Ajin task force, which can't exist, but it does type thing. Just lots and lots of different weaves and things going on, which I was really, really enjoying and looking forward to seeing how it was going to play out. And the way that season one left off on uh, almost a quite literal cliffhanger in some ways, given the way that that, that, that that the final scene ends, I am very much looking forward to checking out season two, which I'm delighted we're releasing that very soon because I can't wait to see it. Cool. Yes, yeah, that was going to be my question, like whether it, it left you hungry for more. And, and now I can tease you back because I, I like uh, inside a baseball, like I, I have the, the, the sets of, uh, of season two check discs at my house because they got delivered here. So I have season two right here in front of me. <sighs> Damn you. <laughs> so I guess and just to sort of not almost be like a primer, but to sort of just in, in a way being slightly selfish here, from what you recall or from what you've seen of season two at this point, does it kind of almost pick up literally from where it left off, or is there like a bit of a time jump now? Because um, the way that season one leaves off, like the big battle malarc has happened, Kay has sort of made a decision of what he is going to do next, along with the other young Ajin. And they're now sort of going off to do their thing. And it's sort of, a lot of things are in flux, but the way it, it it sort of ends with Kay basically sort of making it known what his decision is going to be, and then it sort of ends there. So I'm just sort of curious, from what you, again, you recall, or if you've watched it recently, does it sort of pick up exactly where it left off there, or is there a bit of, like, sort of new ground to cover? Yeah, it was it was a while ago that I watched it properly. I don't recall there being any particular, certainly no kind of substantial time skip. I think it pretty much just kind of keeps going, but it, it certainly, it, it escalates a lot of the things it sets up in season one, like, pretty, pretty big time, like the 
that the stakes are, are, are even higher in season two. And I, so, yeah, like I think if you, if you like season one, if you're anything like me, you'll, you'll probably enjoy season two just as much, if, if not even more, perhaps. I'm really looking forward to checking it out, especially as well. What, what I loved is another element I particularly liked, because there was the big battle from like episode 11 I was referencing. But then sort of in that final episode, there is also more action that happens, which is arguably just as freaking impressive from a technical point of view, from an animation perspective. But in terms of storytelling, it was a wonderful sort of, it was a wonderful moment of when the police essentially thought they had, you know, they had the number of certain individuals. They, they knew exactly how things were going to work out and what the limitations were. But then those expectations are just crushed tenfold. <laughs> and it's, it's a wonderful moment just to see the progression of certain characters and also the regression of certain characters as well, realizing how much they've bogged things up. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of that definitely kind of carries into to season two as well. Like, I mean, you know, this, uh, some characters really do grow a, a heck of a lot over the course of, of that series. And it's kind of quite enjoyable to see sort of the, the changes and the, the adaptations that they go through. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a good time. Like, I do really, really like that show. I can't wait to watch that second season. But rather than just be constantly saying that for the next five, ten minutes or so, let's move over to something you've been watching, mate. So you mentioned some season uh, season ones, uh, some episode ones you've been watching from the new spring season. So what's one of the ones you've been you've been uh, indulging in? Uh, yeah, so uh, so one of the, the couple of shows that uh, that I watched this week is, is kind of we're starting to see some delays coming into certain titles, including No Guns Life season two, which I think oh both, mate, I'm so gutted that's got delayed. Yeah, we're both uh, a little disappointed about, but I'm sure it'll be worth waiting for. Uh, but in, in a very different direction, uh, one of the episode ones that I have watched over the last couple of days is the first episode of Art, uh, spelled A. A-R-T-E. It's got an E on the end because it's fancy like that. So it's not, um, art, it's not Arte or Arte. It's just I Arte. mean, I don't know how it's pronounced. I've not heard <laughs> another human being say it. So, uh, but, uh, but it is a series about art. So I'm going to call it Art. Um, and so um, this uh, series is set in, in Florence uh, during the Renaissance era, the uh, 16th century. He says, hoping his art history A-level doesn't get rescinded immediately for getting that wrong. <laughs> Uh, and basically, it's about a girl who is like a, a noble, so she's kind of you know a, a part of a, a very a very fancy family, um, and she is fascinated by by the world of, of art, and she wants to be an artist. Um, and her parents are, are very divided about that. Like her her father is very supportive of just like hey, like you know it's fine like you know she can still even if she pursues art like you know she'll still she can still marry into like a, a rich family etc cetera, etc cetera, all the important stuff of that era uh whereas her mother is kind of dead set against it um and basically as the series starts like her father has just passed away and so she is kind of left uh somewhat bereft and adrift because she doesn't have anybody who will kind of actually support her ambitions anymore um and she ends up kind of falling in with this very sort of curmudgeonly and reluctant um artist who basically always in that typical way of these kind of stories refuses to take on any apprentices like he's very much like the loner who doesn't want to work alongside anybody else um but he kind of ends up uh, somewhat lumbered with uh, with the main character and uh, basically in episode one like sets her a challenge of like okay if you do this you can become my assistant assuming that she won't be able to do it and not really too much of a spoiler of course she, she does um and it, it's it seems like a really interesting setup like as as episode ones go like obviously uh, uh, like 
as mentioned, you know, I have an interest in the history of art. So kind of the, the Renaissance era setting is is interesting to me. And, you know, Florence is an interesting place to kind of depict just sort of animation-wise in general. Um, I like the main characters thus far. Like, they, they, they work really well. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly interested to see how it progresses. It sort of reminded me, I guess there's, there's a tiny kind of little bit of Miss Hokusai to it from the sort of, you know, female artist angle. Um, but it also reminded me a little bit, and I, admittedly I've not watched a lot of it, of, of kind of like Snow White with the red hair, where you've got kind of a very sort of striking and sort of quite uh, standout sort of, you know, fe- uh, female lead character who is sort of trying to get by in a world where, you know, people are constantly trying to kind of undermine her um, in, in that sense. Um, so, yeah, like, it's, it seems like it's a really strong start. Like, I've heard good things about the, the manga it's uh, it's adapted from. Um, and so, yeah, like, I'm, I'm kind of on board with, with watching more of it. That sounds quite interesting. And I, I, I should ask, because sometimes the way that, that uh, particular time periods or locations depicted in anime can be... Let's say it, it may bend the truth a little bit as to how they were portrayed, or they might change certain things. Like, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is um, in Ancient Magus Bride, like when I think East London was a beautiful countryside, when really most of it is just a concrete jungle, <laughs> yeah. as it were. So it, in terms of its presentation of the location it's set in, how does that come across? Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems pretty good thus far. Like, we haven't really seen a whole lot of it because it's very much kind of, you know, it's very much character centric in episode one. But it, it felt it felt pretty solid. Like, you know, it was it definitely seemed like it's. I think it's going to explore that a whole lot more as as it moves forward. So yeah, I'm curious to see how it goes. But from from what I understand and from what I've heard about it, it seems like it has a pretty solid grounding in kind of the reality of that that location and that era. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that. How that progresses oh there we go and um, what's that streaming on specifically that is on funimation i believe it's i'm sort of at that point in the season now where i just put things on and don't think about where they've come from i'm pretty sure that was on <laughs> funimation cool there we go and we'll put the links to all of these things that we've been talking about folks in the show notes as well as per what we did in the last episode so andy the thing that i mentioned to you that i i told you i'd watch something and wasn't going to tell you what it, it's something so the way I sort of watch things now, which is very weird at the start of the season for me, because I normally try and read up on things to see if I'll like something or not. But I just dove into this just based on looking at, just because it was one of the most recent additions on the Funimation Now service, actually. I watched the first episode of Diary of Our Days at the Breakwater. Okay. I don't know if you're aware of what the show is at all. I'm guessing by the very awkward silence there, no. I'm trying... This is, is, is this the fishing one? Yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so, yes, short pitch, this anime is about fishing and the discovery of fishing, as it were. But the way it sets it up is the main character, I believe, her name is Hina. She has just moved to a country town. She's very much like a city girl. So she's a bit of... She's sort of, she's been to the countryside like a lot with her parents, maybe on holidays and stuff, but has, hasn't actually lived there. Very much moved in from the city. And she's got a big fascination with sort of like hobby craft, crafting, if you will, like sewing and stuff like that. She's got a big, big fascination with it. And she's looking forward to starting high school there. She wants to join like the hobby crafting club, whatever the way to phrase it is. And, you know, just enjoy her favorite hobby with a bunch of new people. And she's really, really looking forward to it. She goes out for a walk, just taking in the fresh sea air, sort of making random observations. And as she's sitting on the seawall, suddenly a cockroach crawls on her hand and she basically freezes like it's the end of the world. 
and has a big fit because basically she is totally scared of any kind of bugs or creatures or animals mm-hmm. by the look of it. So this then leads to, to her recovering from this ordeal, if you will, and she sort of notices someone along one of like the, the sort of sea walls that go into the sea a little bit. And they kind of look like, I'll, I'll put it bluntly from my perspective, they kind of look like they're drunk. <laughs> they're just kind of really just rocking about wildly, and then suddenly they just kind of sort of just crouch down almost. And Hina, being a, just a wonderfully innocent, innocent young person, just runs over there, really, really worried about them, asking if they need help. And it turns out it's like, oh no, I just, I've got my fishing line, I just got it all tangled up, so I crouched down to try and undo it. And this then leads to her suddenly sensing an opportunity because she sees a knot in some in some line and she's thinking, I can undo that that knot in an instant. <laughs> this is my chance to shine. And so she offers to do it. And then as this person is sort of just talking whimsically about stuff, about a moment later, later she's then untangled it. And she's like, that was quick. <laughs> and then she's like, well, you know, as a thank you, do you want to try fishing? Because it turns out it's just sort of like a little like a very tiny fishing line type thing. So she's sort of getting introduced to the idea of fishing and how it works, and she's very nervous about it. There's just you know, wonderful interaction between these two characters. It's just like, oh, you know, I think I felt something pull on it. Okay, just take a step to the right. Yeah, a little bit more. And when you feel like a big tug, let me know. And then she just went, huh. It sort of just stopped pulling on the line. And at that point, this other person, whose name I believe is Kuroiwa, I believe is her name. Um, like she's like in inside her brain, she's like, ah, that pretty means you've got a big fish there. And it's like, right, gonna teach you how to fish, because he hasn't got a bloody clue how to fish. And so she sort of just pulls up on this line and she falls back because, you know, th- just the momentum and everything. And what she has caught is a mini octopus. And it's landed on her leg and she's fallen into like her zombie state again of like, get it off, get it off. <laughs> and this then prompts Kuroiwa to, to about to be, you know, a really kind person, you know. So, oh yeah, sure, you help me, I'll help you. And then she stops and goes, you know, I'm part of the Breakwater Fishing Club and we're really strapped for members at the moment. Yeah, If you agree to join the club, I'll remove the octopus for you. And this leads into some fun comedy hijinks. Short short version of the story, she has to join. This then leads into her sort of really not understanding the idea of fishing at all, which then, and just basically just, it's like the, probably the worst person to try and go fishing with because any sight of a fish or anything that's bug related, she basically just collapses and faints. So Kuroiwa then shows her how to basically kill an octopus and how you prepare it for cooking and she faints again. And it's involving sort of hijinks in that sense. But the thing that makes it really cool by the end of the episode, not to just give away everything that happens, is that Hina is introduced to the couple other members of the club and stuff. And she basically has decided, I need to get out of this. I want to do crafting. Like, I don't want to do fishing. I can't stand this. And she sort of just says to them, look, I I can't do this. But then they just going like, hey, look, I'm sorry I pressured you into it. Why don't you at least try it once and see what you think? And then make your decision. And they're all they all sort of go off to, to do the fishing, if you will. And they're sort of introducing her to a few of the concepts. And she's gradually like sort of starting to get into it a little bit. And what it really evoked for me, Andy, and I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to agree with it in this sense, from this example, is it really reminded me of the series Long Riders. Oh, uh, yeah. 
where for those who aren't aware that that originally streamed on Daisuke, which I think is uh, has now departed, so that service is no Indeed. longer active. I'm pretty sure no one's released it in the UK either, which is a shame because I love that show. But the way that works was it was someone sort of falling into the same trap almost, but for cycling. So they would get introduced to the idea of cycling. They would get their first bike. They would go on a long ride a tire would blow and they'd just be stuck there because they didn't have anything to help them because they didn't know that was possible. And just that journey of discovery of learning how much they loved cycling and how they then got into a team and how they wanted to be part of a team and really get involved in it. And it's almost that journey of discovery, but in fishing form. And it was just it's just really fun, sweet and innocent. And it's probably one I'm definitely going to try and check out because it's just really, really simple, good fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm always a bit of a, a sucker for kind of the the odd, uh, uh, strange kind of club show. Um, like last season had an asteroid in love, which was actually pretty fun. It was a, a, ended up being a, a weird mishmash of like astronomy and earth sciences, like geology. Um, and that was like that was a really well kind of animated, pretty well written, pretty funny show. And yeah, like you say, Long Riders was was kind of fun. Like yeah, I'm I'm always sort of. I always enjoy those kind of series on two levels because there's always kind of like the sort of cutesy comedy angle, which can be quite, quite entertaining. And you often come out of those series feeling like, oh, I learned something about something I would otherwise have zero interest in. And that's often kind of quite interesting as well. Just like, oh, I learned something about fishing that I didn't think I wanted to know. Um, So yeah, I always... uh, I'm always on the lookout for a series like that. I was tempted to pick up episode one of this and kind of hadn't really gotten to it. So uh, I I might have to check it out. Yeah, it's on, on Funimation now. It, it airs every Tuesday, I think. So, yeah, if you fancy like a new Tuesday show, folks, and you want to keep your, your daily diary in your head as to where, where things are at, I would definitely give it a shot. If you want something just perfectly harmless, can in some ways can just sort of help kill 25 minutes or so, really, really simple and easy watch and good fun as well, in my opinion. Mm, awesome. So what's your next pick, Andy? What else has been on your watch list? Uh, yeah, so my my other pick that uh, I watched the first episode of uh, last night is uh, "Sing Yesterday" for me, which is uh, on Crunchyroll, um, and it is the the time honored story of uh, boy meets manic pixie dream girl with a pet crow. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so it's basically the story of of a guy who he, he's eighteen. He's kind of like he's done with school and doesn't really know what he wants to do with his life next. He's kind of like foregone sort of college and any of that kind of stuff. He's turned down offers because he's like, basically, "Eh, there's nothing I want to do. And so he's basically just kind of making his way, working in a convenience store, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And uh, he, as part of kind of his just like getting rid of leftovers he basically ends up feeding a bunch of crows like outside of his convenience store uh but it turns out that one of them actually is, is effectively a pet and belongs to uh, a pretty kind of slightly oddball energetic girl called ha- called a Hallie, who is uh, seemingly quite interested in him uh, there's also another girl on the scene who it seems like they were kind of friends, like who sort of sort of went their separate ways, but not entirely. Uh, who you know, the main character, um, Rikuo, I think that might not be his name. I've forgotten now. Um, but basically, he, he clearly like was was uh, was interested in her, but sort of you know never kind of actually confessed to her or anything. Um, and it so it seems like it's setting itself up to be a sort of decent sort of romantic drama. Um, there, there are some interesting things about kind of the past of, of Harry, the the, the 
Gold of the Pet Crow um, that kind of comes to the fore in, in episode one as well. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm, it's a, it's this is definitely one of those series where it's like early days of like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of into to what's here, but I definitely need to see more of it to pass any judgment. Um, but it's really nice looking. It has good character designs. Um, it's from the director of New Game, which doesn't really give you any clues as to what this series is going to be like because it feels quite different tonally. Uh, but yeah, it looks like a, a good production, and I I do like this kind of show usually, so I'm definitely on board with uh, we're seeing how it uh, how it turns out and how it moves forward. Oh, well, there we go. And I'm, I'm just uh, you still just caught me off guard by just mentioning the crow at the beginning of all this. <laughs> like that. I'm still sort of trying to process that element of it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like it's one of the things where it's sort of. It feels like it could so easily be a just kind of like generic, like, oh, we've made this girl a little bit kind of kooky and weird, and so she's got a pet crow. But it does seem like there's actually some interesting depth to, to that character that is uh, kind of starts to be revealed in the first episode. So I'm, I'm interested to see a little bit more of, uh, of how all of this plays out. And like the main character as well, sort of, you know, is very, very much directionless. So I'm, I'm kind of curious as to where they're going to go with him because I'm assuming they're not just going to have him like working in a convenience store for the entire series because you know that would, that would seem counter counterproductive. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm suitably curious. Well, there we go. And uh, the, the final pick for me today, everybody, is is one I feel I need to give sort of a little bit of backstory to in terms of my experience with past incarnations of this. Because I checked out, Andy, the first episode of the brand new version of Digimon Adventure, uh-huh. which is streaming on Crunchyroll. Now, Digimon is a series that I first, well, I first discovered back when it originally aired on, on CITV here in the UK, which would have been, I want to say around 99-2000-ish, maybe? But the, the way I found it was because it aired after school. And a good buddy of mine mentioned, oh, you really need to check this out. You, you'll get a kick out of it. And sure enough, it aired on the after-school slot. So I sort of got heavily into that. When it comes to what I've seen of Digimon, because it, it gets a little bit muddy in places, because there's the original first season, then there's Digimon Adventure 02, so season two. Then the third season, I think, was subtitled Digimon Tamers, which had a sort of a different, a bit more of a serious overtone to it. And those are the main ones I have seen before. I've not actually ever gone back and rewatched them, mind you. I think I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never sort of fully gone back and rewatched them. There was also Digimon Frontier, which I may have seen a little bit of, but after that, it's sort of I sort of lost track, if you will. I know there have been the Digimon Adventure Try series of movies, which I want to say take place after the events of Digimon Adventure Zero Two. But then the other thing which sort of throws this into a little bit more of a, a, not of a hodgepodge, but it's sort of, in terms of continuity, it gets a bit weird, is in Japan, there were a a bunch of Digimon movies, and eventually there was a Digimon the movie released over here in the UK. It was actually in cinemas as well, I remember seeing it there. And when you look back on it, you sort of realise this was the case, but what that actually was, Andy, I'm not sure if you're aware, is that was actually three separate films, or three bits of separate films merged into a complete film. Okay. For the uh, for the English-speaking market. If I remember correctly, I think the first segment was the main character, Taichi, being introduced to Agumon, sort of his pet, di- his pet orange dinosaur, if you will. But they did it in a very different way. And then the second and third films were sort of actually a concurrent story, like one after the other, but 
again, for the Western release, they sort of just made all of that into one, into a feature-length film. They probably chopped out a heck of a lot of stuff. I've never seen the original Japanese versions, mind you, but I've seen bits and pieces of them, but I've only ever seen sort of the complete English language version of that film. And Digimon is a franchise which has kept going for years. There are a whole bunch of video games. I think some of uh, the mostly published by Bandai Namco at the stage, I believe. Like, a few, I've actually got a few of them as well, I think, because I may have bought them on sale. There's like Digimon Cyber Sleuth, I think is one of the names of the titles that I've got. Yeah, indeed. Which I should actually play at some point. But when I saw that there was a new Digimon adventure show, I was very curious because like, looking at the key art visual for it, it features the original cast of characters in their season one form, if I put it in that way. So it then brings up the question, well, is this just going to be a straight up retelling of the original story, but just with modern stylings? Or is this going to be a sort of soft reboot, if you will, just, you know, a different take on the original version? And what I, what I can tell you, Andy, is it is a different take on it because it's set in a more modern setting. Because originally, the way it worked out, if I'm going purely from memory here, so apologies if I, if I get this wrong, folks. But Digimon begins with the seven main kids who you come to know as the Digi-Destined. They're at summer camp and they get transformed to the, to the digital world. And that's where they're then trying to get home. They discover the Digimon. They're fighting a bunch of things. A whole, a whole bunch of stuff happens and ensues. But with this, they're already in the real world, and not to give too many spoilers on it, but within the first episode, you're only actually properly introduced to about two of the characters. Okay. And the way it works out is rather than them being transformed into a digital world, it comes about that the main character... I want to say it's Ty, but I keep wanting to say Kai. I'm getting that wrong. But either way, the main character, he is... Like his parent, his mum and his sister are trying to visit him, I guess, before they're going to camp. By the sound of it, and they're they're on the train system, but then suddenly there's a giant virus that hits like everywhere in Tokyo, and this is it. Sent what it turns out to be is a bunch of Digimon invading like the real world network, because the net is an actual proper thing in the context of this version of the show, and it then leads to it then leads to him having to save his, or needing to save, I should say, his mum and sister because they're trapped on the loop train, which is a which is imminently going to be crashing into another one because ev- they can't control anything. But the way they integrate him being transformed into the net, if I phrase it that way, he meets his first Digimon and just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful introduction to it. And you get a glimpse of some of the other characters in there as well. But the way that they did this was actually a really, 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 really pleasurable experience just from watching it. And is very much a reboot where they're catering to people who have not got a blooming clue what the hell Digimon is. They've they're either never experienced it or they're just aware of the name. or they're, And they're also catering to people who have seen other incarnations of Digimon, perhaps more so the original. But, but the, you, them knowing, we know you probably know what this is. Just roll with it. You're going to have fun. And that first episode was an absolute delight to watch. They, they covered a fair amount of ground, actually, from the perspective of just doing some character building and introducing you to one, one of the Digimon specifically. 
but just the presentation of it, the look of it, the feel, the soundtrack, the way they've incorporated the internet to being part of the main story and such, it was just really, really fun to watch. And if you're someone who has seen Digimon before, either back in the day or you've gone back and watched the DVDs that Manga Entertainment released over the past couple of years, it's definitely worth going out of your way to watch this. It was a really, really, really fun experience. But the other thing, there are two other things I sort of want to make mention of. One is a bit of a joke, because you'll appreciate it, Andy, along with me and a bunch of other people. The other is more the actual, how it felt watching this show. Because one of the ways, this, the way this show begins is you essentially get the opening credits, which are awesome, and then immediately you hear a dial-up tone. <laughs> because they're sort of trying to set the stage of, yeah, you know, dial-up is a thing, or was a thing. So that's like a wonderful little callback to people of the 90s, if you will. But the other thing which made this feel like a brand new experience for me is that I have never seen any Digimon in Japanese with subtitles. So I've only ever seen it dubbed, and I appreciate, I think, the Digimon Adventure Tri films may have had the subtitle, the Japanese audio included with those. I don't know for sure. That's just me working literally from some possible memory I have. So being able to actually watch Digimon Adventure 2020, if I just call it that for now, in Japanese with subtitles... It felt like a brand new, a brand new, fresh, but familiar experience. And one I didn't actually think I would take to as much as I have, which may sound a bit of a cockamamie way of putting it, but actually watching it in Japanese is something I've never done. And it just felt brand new and fresh. And uh, one would assume they're probably going to do an English dub of this at some point. I'd be very curious to see how this comes across dub. But in terms of watching this first episode, whether you're a fan of it before or you've never seen it, if you're at all mildly curious about it, give it a watch. Because even just from a visual presentation point of view, this first episode was absolutely brilliant. Okay. Yeah, because that, that's my main thing is as somebody who's never really seen any Digimon apart from that one Mamoru Hosoda film. It's kind of like, you know, does, does it play for, for an audience that is kind of completely new to all things Digimon? But it sounds like it, it probably works out in that regard. Yeah, and in terms of sort of previewing where things are going to go next, they sort of drop a couple of hints as to where this may be going. Like, it sounds like this is probably, I mean, potential mild spoiler here, but this is me guessing. They reference that the internet's come under a bit of trouble in America in the episode. So I'm kind of almost wondering if this is going to be like a globe-trotting series through the internet or not. I, I really don't know, but I'm... I'm really looking forward to seeing how this is going to play out. Just because, again, from just the overall presentation, while they didn't elaborate on a heck of a lot of detail on certain things... So, for example, if you're not familiar with how Digimon Digivolve, for example, then they that it, it will feel like a very foreign concept to you in this episode as to why the hell did that happen. But you can kind of figure it out. Because, again, I've not watched it in so long, so I had to try and almost do a bit of mental maths to try and remember it myself, assuming I remembered it correctly. So there are some things where if you haven't really experienced it before, you may feel lost on some very, very slight details, but I get the impression it's definitely going to be something they will explain down the line. Cool. Yeah, sounds uh, sounds pretty good. And, and as I said, folks, that is streaming on Crunchyroll. And at the moment, I think it's just in Japanese with subtitles. I don't think there is an English dubbed version out there, but... Again, I would be shocked if they didn't do this, but if they didn't make a dub for it, because it wouldn't surprise me if this is going to be a big hit. That yeah, said, actually, yeah. Andy, I, I've, I've actually got no idea how many episodes this is in theory slated for either. 
Yeah, yeah, I wonder. I mean, they, they may not have, have announced, but yeah, you imagine if, if they're really going kind of back to, to square one with it, that it would potentially be something that they, they want to make a long-running thing. But uh, yeah, we, we will see how that goes, I guess. Yeah, and, and, I, and the main character's name is Taichi, by the way. I keep wanting to say Kai, maybe that was his name in English, or Tai, I don't remember. It's been a while, folks, since like 99, 2000. Cut me some slack. <laughs> But you also randomly mentioned something, Andy, because I know we need to wrap up in a minute because we've got to get to some other meetings and stuff. But you just reminded me that Mamoru Hosoda directed a Digimon film, didn't he? Uh, yes, yeah, it was the short film that was was basically like his precursor to, to what would turn out to be Summer Wars many years later. So I wonder if that was the first part of what was Digimon the movie in the, in English then? I think it might have been. I always forget the the history of that. But yeah, I do recall it being kind of part of a, a bigger thing. So uh, yeah, I think that is probably uh, probably how that, that worked out. Oh, I genuinely forgot about that. I'm I'm almost mildly curious to check it out again now. Partly <laughs> just from like a nostalgia point of view and partly because, oh yeah, Mamoru Hosoda. I know who that guy is. Whereas back then, I really didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that that short film, like our war game is, is pretty damn awesome. Like even, the, you know, even divorced from the whole Digimon angle and, you know, watching it now, like, you know, post-Summer Wars is, is also kind of crazy because it's just like so, so obvious how... So, so much of that kind of concept was already extant and existing there and just kind of got pulled into that film. Yeah, really, it is weird sometimes how you go back and discover some of your, like, favourite directors have done things you love. It's like the fact that Mamoru Hosoda did one of the One Piece films. Yeah, yeah, which is also, yeah, like a fantastic One Piece film as well. Yeah, it's, um, it was movie six, I want to say it was, that he did. Yes, that is correct. Um, I'm just trying to remember, I think it's, is it... Baron Omatsuri and the Secret Island? That yeah, sounds about that, right. That that is the one. The the, the one that is uh, is heavily alleged to be an, an allegory to his uh, his brief time at Studio Ghibli. So uh, like it, all is the it really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. It was like after he got uh, kind of basically kicked off Howl's Moving Castle by by Miyazaki, who who took charge of it himself, and supposedly that the whole thing is kind of an, an analog to to him trying to work and kind of forge himself at, at Ghibli. So uh, if if you want to watch it through that lens then that's also an interesting thing to do oh well there we go the, the, I, I can't forgive me if i've already mentioned this andy and do just feel free to cut me off if i did but the other thing that i loved about digimon as well which i did want to make mention of is how much they've modernized it because i know i mentioned about the setting is in a more modern sense but it's like even just the way they're that their, their use of technology and the way they're implementing it in that first episode it seems really natural really cool and just fun to look at as well just again that visual visual presentation of that first episode is definitely worth watching yeah and kind of kind of weird i guess it's something you always have to do if you're kind of going back to G digimon at this point in time like because it's very fabric it kind of relies on a sort of technological element to it you kind of can't just leave it as it is you've sort of got to to go and, and sort of do that to it yeah, I, I'm honestly not sure how many episodes this is sort of, in theory, slated for. It's not, I don't think it's actually mentioned anywhere. It wouldn't surprise me if they're planning for this to be a very, very long-running venture. Because given it is a Toei production, if you will, when you think of how long Dragon Ball Super ended up being, which was great in itself, and that really served from having sort of the modern-day visual, or just the modern-day feel of a classic show, it wouldn't surprise me if they're going to go the whole hog of Digimon Adventure. 
Yeah, yeah, you'd certainly imagine that they they would like to do that because I think yeah, it's it's kind of a franchise that is is due, kind of you know being rebooted if you like in in that sense. So uh, yeah, I, I would certainly imagine that they would uh, would like to to go down that route if they if they can. But uh, yeah, I'd, I hopefully they have kind of a good strategy so that they can kind of you know control that however they need to. But uh, we shall see. Indeed, and I suppose before we wrap up, Andy, is there anything else you wanted to make mention of? Be it that what you've watched, what you've played, any random observations from the world? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I will mention, like we, we said, that uh, our latest Easter deal as of uh, today at the time of recording this is a sort of online alternative. Like, I will heartily recommend that to anybody, even if you're not a fan of mainline sort of online. Like, it is, it is good fun if you're an SAO fan, but I think it is also equally good fun if you're not really into sort of online, but, you know maybe will enjoy this like definitely go have a look at some trailers etc etc and and check it out because it's a series that still kind of defied my expectations of like rolling my eyes like oh sort of online spin-off like who cares about that and then as it turned out like it was absolutely terrific so uh yeah like well well worth picking up our collects editions are really nice so uh, if you're if you're looking for something in our cell then today is a good day yeah sao alternative is literally a side story it's an alternative in the Sword Art Online universe. And if you're, you know, there are some people out there who just aren't a fan of the main cast of characters like Kirito and such, this is the show for you. Like, they're not in it, <laughs> quite literally. Yeah. But if you love that, if you love the world of Gun Gale Online or you're a fan of kind of Battle Royale games or Call of Duty or Overwatch, anything like that, give this, definitely give this a look at. It's really, really good fun. Very self-contained story. You don't really need to know anything. And they introduce you in a very good way as well to the actual world. So you can just jump in if you haven't jumped in before. Yeah, yeah, you can absolutely go into it cold. Like, yeah, I mean, ironically, the, the series also dropped at just like the perfect time when it was originally streaming, just as like Player Unknown's Battleground started to become a big thing. Um, yes, so it, it did, didn't it? Yeah, so it kind of like it, it, it felt very much just like perfect in, in terms of being of its time. But uh, yeah, like it, it stands up really well. Like, you know, I, I watched it a second time for for our release, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really it's really good fun, really enjoyable. And like you say, like even if if you don't like Kirito, well, guess what? He doesn't turn up so you're fine there you go folks thank you very much for listening let us know what you've been watching as well let us know on social media we know some of you guys have been mentioning that and we very very much appreciate that it's good to see what you guys have been thinking of the shows and also if you've been finding links to some of the other shows as well that we've been mentioning actually on the podcast it's been really really good fun i'm not sure if you mentioned that i'm going to quickly try and look it up but one of the other shows you were talking about the other day someone actually did let us know and I'm going to try and look this up now, which makes it sound like I wasn't prepared, which I wasn't in the slightest. That, um, oh, here we are, yes. Jason Oldfield on Twitter let us know that when you were mentioning Kakushi Goto, uh, the, the original manga creator Koji Kometa, uh, the anime of Joshiraku is available on the UK, uh, to the UK on High Dive. Yes, yes, I had actually forgotten about that. So yes, thank you, Jason, because yeah, like people, if, if you've got a High Dive subscription, then yeah, go check out Joshiraku because, I mean... Uh, I, I watched. I watched it at, at the time it, it aired with, with friend subs because it was never actually like officially uh, streamed back in way back in the day. Uh, but I also like rewatched it more recently, like with 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 a bunch of friends and alcohol, which is a really good way to watch that show because it <laughs> is it's a lot of a lot of good fun. It is really really good comedy. So uh, yeah, like if you want, obviously you can't invite your friends around right now. But I know, but get get on a get on a conference call, get some get some beer in or something, and uh, and watch Joshiraki. That's, that's that's my, that's my Easter weekend recommendation for you. What's your elevator pitch for if you have to try and describe it to someone? 
Um, I mean, it's basically it's basically kind of stand up sketch comedy, right? It, it's basically a, a bunch of, of characters who are uh, who take part in rakugo, um, so you know um, the kind of traditional Japanese storytelling. But it's really just a vehicle for a lot of kind of a lot of kind of stand up comedy sort of musings. It's, it's like the whole like what's the deal with airplane food kind of thing, but like far more kind of like off kilter, and it, it just like it takes just a simple concept of just like hey. For example, like the, the different the different interpretations of like what the moon looks like. Does it look like a face? Does it look like a rabbit? And it just like runs with it and runs with it for like about ten minutes and just goes kind of deeper and deeper and spins off on all these weird angles. And it just has lots of really good kind of jokes and comedy material in it. I might have to give that a watch, actually. I'm just kind of looking at the show page now. So uh, I will also link that in the show notes, everybody, for anybody interested. And who knows, Andy, maybe within the next few weeks or so, we might even give this show a whirl because I've never seen it before. So it might be interesting to do that as a watch-along topic, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Why, why not? Folks, thank you very much for listening. Really, really appreciate it. As, as mentioned, make sure you check out our website, alltheanime.com, for all the latest updates when it comes to our upcoming releases. And a reminder that this Friday, I say this Friday like we're at the beginning of the week, in a couple of days' time, folks, because I realise it's Wednesday now, our next Watch Along discussion episode will be on the first three episodes of the classic series Escaflone. You can stream the show entirely for free on Channel 4's All 4 service. And of course, if you've picked up our DVD or Blu-ray release before, you can join in the fun on that as well. From myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, Andy Hanley, we have been Team All The Anime, signing out. Thank you very much for listening. Bye, everyone.